Welcome to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller and Black Belt Eric White. Shidoshi Miller is a 12th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 25 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Eric White has been a student of Shidoshi Miller's for five years and holds a second degree black belt. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Thank you for joining us. It is the eighth episode of Kuden, and we've got some great topics today. Ground fighting. Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. Eight. Eight. Eight episode, episode eight. Episode eight. Really? Yeah. Which makes it. Where was I for the first seven? <laughs> <laughs> which, which makes it appropriate for uh, another one of our topics today: the eight gates of the ninja. Oh, oh. did we plan that? I don't I, think we planned I, that. I planned. Did it. you plan it? Yeah. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, go die versus go go. Go. What are we talking about? Yeah, go something. Look it up. Go look it up. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll learn a few Japanese words today. Oh, sure. And, and I know karate and several other Japanese words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like saying I know Spanish. Burrito, taco. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, those are the great topics coming up today on Kuden. Remember, if you have questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Warrior C at warrior concepts online dot com. We've got Kuden news coming up, and then we'll get into ground fighting. With the latest in self-defense and martial arts current events and information from around the world to you, this is Kuden News. Akimashite omedo gozaimasu. Happy New Year! On the Chinese Zodiac, 2011 is the year of the rabbit. In the Bujikan, it's the year of Kyonhapo. That's this year's training theme from Soke Masaki Hatsumi. According to class reports from Hongbu Dojo in Japan... The theme for 2011 seems to be Kyonapo, but Soke uses different kanji, as usual, and we still have no idea as to what it actually means. At WCI News, the dates are set for Shinobi no Haro Omatsuri, the annual spring ninja camp. It will be held May 13th through the 15th. For more info or reserve your space, call the Academy at area code 570-988-2228. If you haven't participated in one of Shidoshi Miller's online ninja training and coaching programs, you are missing out on a wealth of information. These programs are ideal for the long-distance student. Get connected at warrior-concepts-online.com slash ninja-training-online.html. For more details and information on how you can attend one of Shidoshi Miller's seminars, classes, camps, or training adventures, visit warrior-concepts-online.com or call area code 570-988-2228. You some fancy free? Getting there is half the fun. <laughs> we'll leave that part in. Yeah, let's leave that part in. Karaoke today on Kuden. We're back with Kuden. Another Japanese word. <laughs> Karaoke. Karaoke. That's right. I never thought of that. We're back. It is episode eight of Kuden, and our first topic uh, today: ground fighting. I put my little yeah, you did subtitle. Go ahead. I fall and I can't get up. <laughs> You're yeah, <a> dork. <laughs> yes, and I mean that in the dictionary, dictionary definition. <laughs> <laughs> My picture in there? Uh, Might be. No, but the whale's member is. (laughs) (laughs) Should have looked it up first before I said that. (laughs) Good thing that big old desk is between you and I. (laughs) Although you are closer to the door, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So, anyway. ground fighting. Uh, become quite popular lately with the boom of UFC mixed martial arts style of fighting. That seems to be the big thing. If you watch any of that on TV, well, these guys move to ago. the ground. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know? um, it's the justification for, again, doing a certain system, right? right. Um, somebody somewhere along the line said, all fights go to the ground. And you know what? That's not my experience. Mm. Have I gone to the ground because I was taken down or whatever? Absolutely. Have all of them? Not even half. Wow. So now they may have gone to the ground as I got the guy under control and took him down to put him in cuffs or to lock him up or whatever. But for the fight itself, both of us ending up on the ground, I don't think so. Hmm. Because for that to happen, um, I have to not only want to go to the ground, but I have to be completely oblivious to the disadvantages of being on the ground. And again, this goes back to thinking scientifically with combat, right? Why do we study our kamai or stances or uh, you know whatever when we're when we're standing? Why do we do this stuff, right? Because a big part of this has to do with balance. Okay? One of the most significant things that a martial artist can learn is that you're a biped. You only have two things in contact with the ground. You're not a dog or a cat with four or whatever. You have two. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we're in a constant state of shifting balance. Okay? So strategically, my job is to affect the other person's balance to the point where they can't move and their body locks in so that I can take control of it or they can't stand up anymore. Yeah. Okay? While maintaining my own so that I'm not in the same kind of position. Right? Right. If I go to the ground... I lose a major, major advantage in a fight, and that is I can't break this guy's balance. Mm. We're already on the ground. All bets are off. Now we're back into a situation where the only thing I have is speed and strength. We've always said, you know, if you're up, if you're trying to fight speed for speed and strength for strength, excuse me, um, the, the person who's faster or stronger has the significant advantage, right? Yeah. So we have to be careful because a lot of these things that, you know, were, t- were taken as self-defense method or, you know, hand-to-hand combat or whatever, um, they're games, they're contests, right? Of course, you're going to match people up who are of equal standing, right? They're, they're matched up based on height, weight, age, skill level, that kind of thing, right? To see who the better fighter of these two who are equally matched. Mm-hmm are, right? Self-defense is very, very different, right? We're always going to be the underdog. And if we're not, either that person is absolutely freaking out of his mind, or he's got some allies or some weapons that I don't know about. Mm. So either way, just assume that you're the underdog and you've got to come out on top. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, uh, but you know what? We, we could end up going to the ground. So um, a couple of things for ground fighting. Uh, and you're not ground fighting, right? You're just happen to be on the ground, but yeah. you could be on a staircase. You could be, you know, across the hood of a car. You could be, but you're not on your feet. And that's the point. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> um, well, you know, let me go back to a couple of these other be careful of things, right? Okay. If you look at these UFC and MMA things, I'm not saying these people are not good fighters. I'm not saying that they're not, um, you know, Intense. They don't have the attitude. You know, a lot of these guys just like hitting people, right? Um, and uh, 
but but again, the rules are set up and the the paradigm is set up so that what they're doing works there, right? I mean, a lot of these submission guys try to work somebody into the corner so that they're up against that fence, right? Yeah. They don't work them up against one of those upright posts. They work them against the fence, okay? Have you seen those those uh, octagons or yeah. uh, you know what are yeah. they, hexagons the cage. or whatever? Yeah, the cage, right? But it's a fence, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why they're allowed, they're able to do a lot of the things that they're able to do is because that fence has some give. So when you wedge somebody up against it, it kind of molds around. It makes lateral movement across the surface very difficult. Oh uh, yeah. So it's like they're they're in a catcher's mitt or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they were, if you try to do the same kind of submissions up against a solid wall, yeah, you can shift right along the wall and get out. Okay, but then there are all these other rules that are in place too. You can't use certain body parts against other body parts and things like that, right? Right. Um, there's more than enough situations where a well placed point of the elbow into ribs or muscles or you know, thigh, whatever, would just shut that fight down. It would just be done because the person would be physiologically incapable of continuing, regardless of their attitude. Mm-hmm. Right, you shut down some muscles and some nerve systems, and they're done. So it's a contest within a paradigm. Okay, it's not the same as truly a no holds barred kind right. of thing. Right. Right. So that being said, we have to be careful what of what lessons or what realities we're trying to pull from different areas, from different types of teachers. Uh, you know, from movie fights or you know, even MMA stuff and all that. I'm, again, I'm not saying these people are not powerful fighters. I'm not getting in the ring and, and getting my brain mashed out by a bunch of these guys uh, because they just their whole thing is about winning and having some kind of belt or money or prestige or whatever that says, I'm the best. Mm-hmm. Well, you're the best this week, but next week somebody's pounding your brain in and they get to hold the belt, right? right. So you held it for what? Days, weeks, months, who cares? Right. Okay. Well, they do. Right. But that's their reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when it comes to ground fighting, as far as we're looking at it, again, we want to approach this thing from a scientific standpoint. Okay. If I don't have to go down there, I'm not going down there. Okay. okay. If I do end up on the ground, I want to be on my back and not on my side or my face. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm on my side or my face, my spine and my organs are exposed to damage. Okay. If I'm on my back, I at least can move my limbs more freely around the area to be able to handle things. If I'm on my side or my back, my limbs work best from core out to the front, limited out to the side. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to have a harder and harder time dealing with somebody. So, you know, just think about all the things that we do when we're taking somebody down and putting them into restraints. The restraint works well because their body, human bodies, don't work well in that position, mm-hmm. right? So... um we want to be careful of those things, okay? Um, we, when they're dominating, we want to make sure that we understand uh, the use of the body's natural energy spikes in the muscles, okay? The, the muscles store something called glycogen. It's a sugar, uh, and it gets stored in the muscles. So if you need to do something right away, instantaneously, mm-hmm. you've got about a 7 to 11 second uh, store of this glycogen for burning so the muscles can go at it. The problem with that is that when the muscles burn the glycogen, Okay. It turns into lactic acid, so you know you need some other way of handling this. But what this does is creates an energy spike where you can be very, very strong, but for only a short amount of time. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, a rocket booster engine or something like that where you get this, but only for a certain amount of time. Okay? Mm-hmm. After that, the body sends a signal to start releasing things from the fat cells and all that, right? Because you need endurance stuff. Okay, but this glycogen, this energy spike thing, allows you to go really fast. Okay, uh, think in running, think like wind sprints. 
Okay, mm. you're jogging along, you decide, okay, I'm going to wind sprint until I burn out, and then I'm going to go back to jogging, right? Right. Wind sprints burn out the glycogen or the glycogen from the muscles, mm-hmm. right, and gives you that quick burst. And then when you slow back down again, then the body has time to rebuild the glycogen, and then you can do another wind sprint, that kind of thing. Mm. You couldn't run for 20 minutes at full out no. because, you again, you only have 7 to 11 seconds of, of burn, right? Yeah. So what this means is that um, all human bodies are this way. So what strategically you want to do when you're in a ground-fighting situation is to be able to match up your high points – with his rest points, okay? So he's done something, and while he's doing his thing, you need to try to relax everything that's not important in defending against what he's doing, mm-hmm. okay? So if he's trying to choke me or whatever, then I'm going to be using my arms or my neck or my head position to make sure my airway stays open, but that doesn't mean I need to be flailing with my legs because the more I'm doing with my legs or other muscles, the more I'm cooking the glycogen off out of those muscles, right? So I want to relax as much as possible, unless, except for those areas that are that are critical to protecting myself, right? Then, and if you watch these UFC things, or because now they just look like big old brawling kind of things, right? What you'll see is, especially when these guys are grappling and wrestling, somebody's moving around and he's really locking in, and all of a sudden he'll hold a lock for several seconds, mm-hmm. and then he'll go into shifting again. Okay, what happens is his body holds on to that position while it's in rest mode because that's all he's got until the glycogen rebuilds and he can go into action again. So if you're going to win, what you need to be able to do is hold off, and when you feel him lock in and hold, that's when you go into motion. Okay, Ah. this works so well. Uh, We uh, had I had a class one time and had this guy who was a ground fighter, and I had taken him to the ground, and he weaseled himself around. I, I, like, threw him, and he spun around and whipped his legs up around my torso. He pulled me off balance a little bit, Mm -hmm. wrapped his legs around my torso in one of these dojime body choke kind of things. Yeah. Scissors, whatever you want to call them, right? And really cranked down. Now, he's in a pike position on the floor on his back with his legs up, right? And I'm bent over. And when he locked on... This man was strong. Wow. His legs were just like vice vice grips. And what I did was um, I used the muscles in my torso to hold my, my ribs so that it didn't collapse in. And I moved my breathing to upper chest shallow breathing mm-hmm. so I wasn't trying to breathe from down low or I wasn't shutting down just because he was applying pain and I wasn't holding my breath. And I waited. And when I felt him lock in just a little bit more, and the, most of his muscle movement stopped, I went into action. What I did was I stood up, and when I stood up, his body was still in the pike position, mm. came right off the floor, and I was able to basically stand up and bow and stand up and bow and slam his back into the floor ah. to get him to release and back out. But I had to wait it out for about seven yeah. seven seconds or so until I could actually go into motion. So, again, this is another part of that nin persevering kind of thing, right? Mm. So understanding how this kind of stuff works. Also understanding that because all the rules that we give you for Taijutsu, standing, have to do with maintaining balance and stability and develop and, and um, generating power as a biped, yeah. right? You have to understand that when you're grappling on the floor, the principles are backwards, Standing, we would never throw our hips out of place because now your hips aren't over your knees and your ankles, right? But on the ground, if you try to stay anatomically straight, 
you can't weasel out of certain positions and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So on the ground, you want to be more snake-like, where standing, you want to be more uh, structurally sound. I don't want to say more board-like because we're not stiff, but you get the idea, right? So the structure needs to be more rope-like on the ground and more stick-like standing, Mm -hmm. okay? But there's tons and tons to to go through with this stuff. But um, the other thing, too, is, you know, we talked about the MMA thing. Um, again, it's a contest, right? The weapons aren't allowed or anything like that, okay? Uh, we all carry something, pens, clip knives, keys, whatever. You yeah. know, a guy gets down there, reach into your pocket or pull your clip knife or whatever. I mean, the fight's over, okay, because yeah. it's a self-defense thing. Um, the other thing, too, is while these uh, submission guys are putting somebody in a submission hold, mm-hmm. they're as immobilized as the other person because they have to be to lock them in. So yeah. what's to stop my friend from coming over and kicking you in the head just because you got me in a submission mode, right? So there's other considerations in a self-defense or in a street combat situation that just don't enter into these other other things, right? I mean, it's a game. It's a contest, you know, as much as these people consider it to be reality and stuff. And it is. It's their reality within this paradigm, within this uh, controlled structure, mm-hmm. right? Um but it becomes a different game when we're, we're outside of that, right? And again, you know, when you're when you're on the ground, biting, eye gouging, all those things that are illegal. And it's not about it not being a fair fight. Okay, a, a self defense situation is not fair from the very beginning. You know, if we're discussing fairness, then we're discussing rules in a contest. Right. So you know, be okay with biting, driving your chin into something, sticking your thumb in an eye socket, ripping an ear off, whatever. I mean, you know. Do you want to win and go home? Do you want to survive this? Or do you want to be known as, well, we're going to miss him. But boy, did he put up a fair fight. Yeah, right. You know? Screw that. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't ask to be here to begin with. So, you know what? You're losing some body parts. At the very least, you're going to remember me for the rest of your life. Yeah. At the very worst, well, nothing to remember. Yeah. I'm sorry for your friends and family who will be missing you. Find out more about ground fighting. Uh, I'm thinking about it in a way that you probably haven't thought about before. Uh, Go to warrior-concepts-online.com and send those questions and comments to Shidoshi Miller. Warrior C at warrior-concepts-online.com. I'm getting more. Kuden must be working because I'm getting more and more emails. Yeah. Okay. Please. This may sound arrogant and that I'm all wrapped around money and, and whatever, but I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Please. If you don't have a job and you can't even support yourself and your family, okay, don't expect me or anybody else to just start showering you with all kinds of lessons and whatever for free. I've been getting an inordinate amount of email, and I don't know if they're from kids or whatever, that the question is, can you teach me a bunch of stuff for free so I can train on my own? (laughs) There's enough stuff that's already free on my website. Yeah. And on everybody else's website, keep surfing. If that's what you're looking for, right? right? Anybody who um, who has a mentor, I know all of my mentors that I ever went to, I had to ask several times to get help. And if they gave me a small exercise to, to, to do, they basically was a test. They wanted to know if I would at least do that. Yeah. Why should this person that spent ton, tons of time, effort, money, sweat, blood, tears, and all that just give you something? When you're not going to take it, you're not going to do anything with it anyway. Or the win-win situation is all in your is all in your ballpark. You know, you're not spending anything on it. There's no commitment on your side, so you get free information and you get to train and get to be really great. And what's in it for them? What they got to help somebody that 
wasn't out helping themselves anyway. So again, I know this sounds offensive and arrogant to some people, but if you're offended and I sound arrogant, go look in the mirror. Mm. But I'm tired of getting these emails. Um, you know, if you want to train, then be serious about training. But this is not, uh, you know, I, I live in America and we do all this kind of stuff, but don't think about this as being a commercial thing because in ancient Japan, you may have had to wait for a year and clean the frickin' dojo every day and a bunch of, done a bunch of medial tasks for the teacher before he finally gave you your first lesson. Yeah. So, because students won't do that today, I need some kind of commitment. So, you know, if you want me to be available to you 24-7 or to be showering you with things, then help me support my family while I'm giving you my attention. Right. So, that's what it comes down to, okay? Um, and again, I know this sounds arrogant, but you know what? I'm tired of getting <laughs> these free, these frickin', you know, teach me for free kind of things i'm i'm poor i've got a family of seven and another baby on the way and i can't support myself but i think it's my destiny to be a ninja really uh. and you have no idea what ninja were all about yeah. or what warriors or samurai or anything was all about because <laughs> it was it was it wasn't a freebie kind of thing you right. know um you're asking i mean even way back then Somebody who went to a master for training was asking that master to teach them something that that student could potentially use to kill the master with his own weapon. Mm. So, no, absolutely not. I don't know you. I don't know what your intentions are. I don't know if you're asking me to teach you something that because you're, you've been bullied or not or you have anger management issues or whatever and you want to go and use it against somebody. Absolutely friggin' not. You know, so you want something, it's a two-way street. Yeah. Okay? Show me that you're committed, and in our world, there's a few things that you can do to do that. Okay? Either move in as an uchi-deshi and, you know, help around the dojo and stuff like that and commit to it that way, or... But you're gonna you're gonna need to put some, put in something time effort money whatever. Um, I'm not showering you with a bunch of free stuff. There's 150 plus pages on the website. There's a 20 video science of self defense series. There's the this, the newsletter. There's right. There's all this stuff. There are these kuden and everything. Okay, you want more than that? Go to somebody else's website. Okay, I'm not doing this to save the world. I am doing this to help people who want to help themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but. You know, here's that eye of the tiger thing that's popping out, okay? Commitment begets commitment. You want commitment from me? Then you do it first, okay? That's the way, it, that's what it comes down to, okay? None of my teachers would bend over backwards. I remember having a, bus, a broken arm one time that was just healing, and I was coming up on a second Q test, and in our ranking at that point, uh, the body movement for second Q was vaulting, right? L side leaps out and recovering in a cartwheel or forward handsprings or back handsprings or whatever, right? And I went to my teacher thinking, you know, can I get around this one this time and make it up some other time? And he said, absolutely not. You know, what you're going to have to do is put your hand down on the strong side and maybe use your forearm, like in a forward slapping breakfall kind of position on the other side, um, and modify your forward handspring. Because what what you're doing this for is what if somebody takes you over the back of a couch or, a, you know, the fender of a car or whatever, and you need to be able to get your body over, right? That's the skill. This is not about gymnastics. So I understand about your arm. But no, you can't get around this. So if you want to wait it out and test for NQ whenever you think uh, you know you're ready for it, great. But I'm not going to be the one to let you skate on this one mm -hmm. because you're not comfortable with it. Okay. So uh, you know if you can't support your family, if you can't support yourself, if you can't create some kind of results in your world, why would a mentor? 
who's looking to pass what they have on to somebody who's really going to treasure it, what, what reason would they have to do that? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and here's here's an exercise that that uh, one of my teachers asked a long time ago. Okay? And I, I know you've been through this one. Okay, But sometime close your eyes and envision yourself in a, in a forest. Maybe there's a temple down the road or whatever. I don't care how you make the scenery, if it's European or Japanese or whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. And you're walking along this dirt path and coming towards you is Takamatsu Sensei, Hatsumi Sensei's teacher. Right. This accomplished warrior. Right. And he walks up to you, and you look him in the eyes and stuff, and he looks at you, and he says, what gives you the right to learn my martial art? Why should I even share even a little bit with you? Mm. Now, answer that question. Okay, You give them the reason to want to pass this stuff on to you. Don't shower them with all the reasons why you're a victim and a loser in the world and can't afford things and why they should shower you with it anyway. Right? Give them a reason to trust that you're going to carry this on and, and use it for the right reasons. Okay? So if Takamatsu Sensei was that way, why should I be any different? Why should any teacher that's worth their their salt mm-hmm. do this? Okay, We're not building, we're not empowering victims, we're empowering survivors. Okay, The first step is in deciding you're not going to be a victim and taking action in the right direction. So, sorry I like shifted this a little bit, but no. um, you know, we we keep suggesting that people come to the website and you know, send me questions and things like that, but you know, probably 30% of my mail is <laughs> can you teach me for free? <laughs> uh, I could, but um, that would really be devaluing all this stuff that past masters have lived and died trying to trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And these are success teachings, not freebies. It's not candy being tossed at a parade. So, no, earn it. Mm-hmm. Everything in our dojo is about earning things. And if that offends you or bothers you, then go sign up for your welfare check. Okay? That's all I have to say about that. Coming up next on <laughs> Kuden, <laughs> Ninja no Hachimon, the eight gates of the ninja. Find out what that's all about next on Kuden. Are you protecting your company's number one asset? Smart companies know they cannot afford to have one of their employees become a victim of violence on or off the job site. WCI's corporate services can help. WCI's expert self-defense consultants can help you and your employees learn strategies to overcome obstacles and develop creative problem-solving skills, develop and use better interpersonal communication skills, verbal self-defense tactics and leadership abilities, improve focus, concentration, and the ability to remain calm under pressure, plus valuable defensive and safety skills in order to prevent and survive incidents of violence. Hiring a WCI self-defense consultant could be the best move your company makes this year. Make WCI Corporate Services a valuable part of your wellness program. Contact WCI Corporate Services today by visiting wcinternational.com. That's wcinternational.com. We're back on this eighth episode of Kuden, and I guess it's appropriate that now we talk about the eight gates of the ninja, Ninja no Hachimon. Well, I guess you thought it was appropriate, so let's just do everything you want to do. My idea. (laughs) Eight, eight episode. Sounds like a good idea. Uh, Let's play with numbers. (laughs) Today's episode was brought to us by the number eight. (laughs) Hachi for those of you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember we joked around? I think we thought about this around episode six or something like that, right? Yeah. We were making a, fun, making a joke about numbers. And Okay, today's episode is uh, sponsored by the number eight. 
Hachisan. Hachisan. Right? So, <laughs> the, the joke was, <laughs> you said, watch, we'll start getting emails and stuff like, who's the sponsor? Hachisan, what do they sell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a, a sponsor or advertiser. Or Hachisama or whatever. Wow, is, it like, is that a mountain you're visiting next time you go to Japan? <laughs> Absolutely. That's we'll right. put you on a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going over here. We're going to send you to Hachisan. <laughs> yeah. We need to get like an announcer, a Japanese announcer to say like all the Japanese terminology for us, really make it sound. That's right. Yeah, extra cool. <laughs> That's right. Ninja no Hachimo. Uh, and the know. way they do it over there, too. Yeah. That's right. Today's episode is sponsored by Hachizama. <laughs> <laughs> but they make no qualms about advertising in Japan, either. They know you're, they, they know they're advertising. The, the, the consumer knows it's advertising. It's not like here where they try to make it sound like they're giving you information and stuff. They're like, no, Tora, Tora, Tora. You know, this, this is a facial emollient and it will, it will take literally strip years of skin off your face and bring you back down to your childhood. It's funny and big old flashing. Well, you saw, right? Yeah. Big old flashing signs on the radio and think Takeshi's Castle, right? What's that? Yeah. What's it called here? It's called, um, Ninja Warrior. Ninja Warrior, there you go. But I think they call it Sok, uh, Sasuke or something like that. Yeah. It's taken from a different show. But right, or watch Iron thing. Chef or anything yeah. like that, right, where they do that kind of thing because they even try to do that with that martial arts guy that, that's the that's the uh, chairman or whatever yeah. at the very beginning, right? Yeah. And Cuisine, you know, that kind of thing, <laughs> right? But there's this huge thing, and here we're trying to be real subtle about it, like, you know, let's... Let's convince them that they really need this thing, but not make it look like an advertisement, right? Let's make it look like entertainment. Screw that. Over there, they're like, oh, let's go. Oh, yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Buy it now, blah. (laughs) (laughs) All righty, then. Well, what what, what are the rules for, like, sounding Japanese? It's either angry, excited, confused, or constipated. That's right. John, one of my black belts (laughs) from a long time ago, he's like the class clown i guess john is just awesome but he a long time ago he came up with three rules for speaking japanese right the, hopefully i don't have any of my japanese friends but it was hilarious i mean i'm sure they have ones for you know sounding american yeah uh, you know it's <laughs> not like homer simpson in your set right um but but his were um you needed to sound uh forgetful like uh, you know i don't know um uh, uh like you're trying to think about this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, um, the second rule was you had to sound angry, right? Uh, <laughs> 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 and, the right? and the last one was you had to sound constipated, right? <laughs> so, she uh, must uh, <laughs> And he would just run with this stuff, and it was just hilarious. I mean, <laughs> my Japanese is nowhere close to what it's supposed to be, but the inflection was hilarious. Yeah. Right? Forgetful, angry, and constipated. <laughs> You're set. <laughs> Ready to go. Of course, if you actually, I guess if you actually went over there to Japan and tried to speak that way, you'd get some funny looks. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, you know, and and that's that's another thing. I mean, as, as far as training goes, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, I approach my study of Japanese, and the reason why I don't have a huge vocabulary yet is because most of my time is is still being spent on the basics, which mm-hmm. is. You know what most people are just lousy at because they want to jump into full conversations. Great, you learned that full sentence, right? What's your pronunciation like? Oh, I don't know. It's close enough. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we have leadership class, right? And I go over yeah. some Japanese. You know, I put about ten words on the on the board that are in the e and e kind of sounding kind of things, right? 
and they all mean something completely different, right? Right. Get it one little inflection off, and you go from doctor to duck or something like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, wow, duck, my foot hurts, or, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. And, um, but people don't spend nearly enough time on the basics because they don't see those as cool, and yet what they don't understand is that's where the power is, right? Get that right, and the other stuff will just be awesome, right? So I've spent lots and lots of time on uh, the phonetic pronunciation of things, okay? Understanding that we speak from the front of our mouths, the Japanese speak from the back of their mouths, top of their throat, mm-hmm. right? So the lips move less, things like that, but the sound comes from, from back here, and... Um, uh, there's been more than one occasion when I've been in Japan and I've been asking for directions and I'm just I'm just butchering the language. I mean, it's broken Japanese, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I get these really strange looks and and um, I remember one time I was on a train and this this man was talking to me and I I just I was apologizing left and right that I didn't understand what he was saying because that's that's the downside to learning a language but not having it fluent yet, right? You ask for something and they make the automatic assumption if it sounds really good. Yeah. They make the assumption that you speak fluently, and they're just blah, they come at you, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, first lesson you, or first uh, phrase you should learn is, um, I only know a little Japanese. <laughs> learn that one first. Right? So that's right. So, um, but I was I was trying to apologize, and this uh, Japanese girl that spoke very very uh, good English, she said, "No, he's saying that you uh, your Japanese is very good." And then I started apologizing. No, no, it's not very good at all. And he kept saying, no, no, you speak, you speak Japanese very well. And I'm thinking, no, I don't. What he was trying to convey is that my, my pronunciation mm. was very good. What was catching them off guard was here was a guy, Gene, who was speaking from the right center. Mm. And the pronunciation was closer. There was less of a guy, Gene accent to mm. what I was saying because I wasn't trying to pronunciate uh, the, 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 Phonics and things like that from the front of my mouth, which which radically changes the sound. Mm-hmm. Right? It'd be like us trying to speak English from the back of the world, but it just sounds very different. Yeah. Right. It's, everything changes. Right. So, uh, I spent a lot of time exploring those pieces that are at the base of of everything else. And this so, leads right into one of these eight gates. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know the eight gates, um, this Ninja no Hachimon. This is one of those one of those systems that was organized a long time ago to help decide whether a group was a ninja group or not. Mm-hmm. Okay, whether you're actually doing ninja training or not. But you know what? It's no different than the Ninja Juhake or the eighteen levels of training for a ninja, right? Which came out of a completely different. Um, body of knowledge or the stuff that's laid out in the Bonsen Shukai or the Shinyiki or any of those things, right? These were an attempt to catalog uh, prevalent training methods or training methods that would be, be beneficial during certain eras in history against certain types of battle tactics and in a certain type of culture. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine us trying to use a kunai or uh, some of the tools that they use in ancient Japan when we have brick and mortar buildings and, you know, aluminum and, and steel sashings and glass and things like that, when back then those things were designed to open up gaps and, and, and create um, openings and things like that in a, in a culture that was almost entirely built of wood and paper. Mm-hmm. It's just very different, right? So, yeah. um, you know, if you, it's been said that if you're ignorant of history, you know, you're bound to repeat it, which mm-hmm. is means you die. Um, but, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll Discuss these eight gates, and I actually um, uh, I have a series of it's a, it's a ten week teleseminar that I'm doing uh, in, a, in a what do you call them? 
in, in rounds, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people can jump on. You know, it's one hundred ninety-seven dollars for the for the ten-week course. It's an hour uh, call, a teleseminar kind of thing, mm-hmm. well, once a week, right? It's less than twenty bucks a class, basically, is the way it works out, wow. right? And we start out discussing the Ninja no Hachimon, and then we move into the Jokke and all these things. But we look at them from their essence, so that I can bring people around to look at the six platforms that I teach from. Um, you know, with weapons and taijutsu and all that kind of stuff, so they can better understand where we're coming from today, right? Handguns and, and things like that were not prevalent back then, so it's not going to be on the list. Did the ninja jump on tepo jutsu? Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Even after the the samurai dropped and went, yeah, it's too easy for somebody that's not trained to kill us, so we're going to drop those things because it's not an honorable tool. Right, and the ninja were like, "Screw that! <laughs> we're gonna, as a matter of fact, we're gonna make this gun in the shape of a really ugly, crude-looking short sword kind of design." Right, so when he looks at me like, hey, "Okay, my katana against your bush knife," I'm gonna go, Bow! and it'll be a done deal. Right. <laughs> so, anyway, screw that. Yeah, let's let's just toss all of our advantages out. It's like these movies and stuff where the guy goes, "You don't want to shoot me." You want to get get up close, stab me, use your hands, use your knife. And the guy with the gun goes, oh, yeah, I don't want to take the easy route and kill you. I want to gamble my own life. Tosses the gun away and then loses it. You know, yeah. screw that. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm the one with the gun on you. You don't have one. Yeah. Uh, no. Right. That's how Indiana Jones did it. Yeah, the gun <laughs> disorder. Ah, bang. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. There's a whole interesting story about that during that time, too. Did you know that wasn't in the script? Oh, really? They added that in later. Uh, I didn't know that. No, they didn't add it in. Oh. No, he was supposed to have, he was supposed to pull his whip and fight the guy with the swords. Oh. It's not in the script. He had dysentery. So when he said, oh, crap, and pulled his gun and shot the guy, the reason why it stayed is the other actor flopped onto the ground. But when he ran off the scene, ran off the screen, he went straight to the bathroom. <laughs> when I heard that, it was like, I mean, it's, it's one of those classic moments in film that it's not in the story. Yeah. But what happened was better than what the what was in the script. Yeah. And they just left it. But he was all hot and sweaty and looked kind of pale and everything. Yeah, and dysentery. <laughs> so he, he had to go. <laughs> oh, crap. Pulled the gun, shot the guy. And it's... it's <laughs> The scene that went down in history. Yeah. That's a, anyway, awesome stuff. Yeah. So, anyway, the eight gates uh, are taijutsu, spear, sword. I mean, I'm not going to go over the Japanese. You can find this stuff. Google it, and you'll find the eight gates list from here till Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. So, taijutsu, which is the uh, unarmed combat method, spear, sword, shuriken, kiaijutsu, uh, which is uh, spirit sounds. Uh, kiai is... Uh, not to be confused with those funky sounds that you know everybody makes in the karate classes and stuff. It's in that ballpark, but kiajutsu is actually a science of uh, resonating uh, sounds that communicate as well. But kiai is very much uh, kiai is very natural, right? Thunder mm-hmm. is the kiai for lightning. That snap that you hear when a when a wire sparks, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's that explosive release of power. As sound, okay? Mm-hmm. So isn't it ironic that everybody is just enthralled by the fireworks display of lightning, but they crap themselves when the thunder cracks, Yeah. and yet the thunder can't hurt you. <laughs> it's the other way around, right? <laughs> so anyway, but there's this scientific use of these sounds to convey things, right? And there's kajutsu, the use of fire and explosives, right? Uh, kyomon... Uh, which is knowledge. It's everything from science to religion to spiritual teachings to uh, math, whatever. Okay, it's those things mm-hmm. that you know. The the more intelligent you are, and the more you know, the less easy it is for somebody to blow smoke and confuse you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's more that you can use 
as well, right? Psychology and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So anything to help improve your quality of life and, and your ability to produce results, mm-hmm. okay? And then there's this this last section, yuge, uh, which is, um, I don't know, roughly translated as polite arts or manners or whatever, but it's about social etiquette. So it's these things that gave somebody class, right? Culture. I mean, how many people that you know or have you seen as celebrities or whatever that are boxers or fighters or these MMA guys or whatever, um, uh can you see wearing a tux and looking good at it? Mm. Can you see, you know, um, being anything more than just a slugger who's hanging out with his buds drinking beer or, you know, telling off-colored jokes or whatever? Right. You get the idea. Kind of right? back to the movie thing of the <clears throat> difference between, say, like Arnold versus like uh, versus uh, like a James Bond character, absolutely Much more suave, debonair, yeah. but not absolutely. this big hulking Terminator. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, or you know, the Stallone characters or whatever, where right. you know he's just um, he's on this side of the law, but he's got the same kind of personality as the guys he's going after. Mm. Where you have Bond, where you've got this sophistication, right? There's there's things that he knows about in life, um, so he can choose a fine wine. He can take somebody out to a nice restaurant and be the man, mm-hmm. right? Pull the chair, order for her, uh, suggest this or that, and he's not, you know accidentally ordering ordering pagioni off the Italian menu mm-hmm. when he's not reading a dish, he's mispronouncing page one. You know, that kind of thing, right? Because <laughs> he's trying to make it up as he goes along. Right? Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a funny story, but um, I had somebody come and tell me that they actually did that. <laughs> anyway, so there's these cultural things. So in, in ancient Japan, we'd have been talking about the person who, uh, you know, tea ceremony or flower arranging or whatever, because mm-hmm. a true warrior um, counterbalances their warrior skills with some kind of artistry. Uh, they either do show the calligraphy or uh, they write poetry or, you know, that kind of thing, right? It's that, it's that, um, that soft, sophisticated side Mm-hmm. Um, so that they still have an expression when they're not in the ring. They're not on the battlefield. They're not fighting. Okay, If all the world is a contention, if all the world is combat, then you, know, you either have to create it or you have to go find it um, to have any kind of purpose or, or uh, significance, right? So, but you know, if we look at this, this list of these eight gates, right, spear and sword, 21st century America, Right. So, I mean, we could extend that out to bojutsu, you know, uh, spears, just an extension of that kind of thing or whatever. But um, we might be better placed to replace this thing with, OK, we could do some long staff stuff instead of spear uh, with sword. Let's, you know, make it knife, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. With kajutsu, maybe fire and explosives. But, you know, why not? Do the, the the firearm stuff in there, yeah, or whatever, right? Or the or uh, survival skills where it's not just fire, literally, mm-hmm. right? But we're able to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, make fire if we need it, that kind of thing, right? Right. So, but again, this is a very limited list where you know they had the ninja juhake, the eighteen levels of the ninja, which is only half of what ninja had to know, right? You and I were talking about that earlier, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, what was it? it? Wasn't eighteen levels? It was what? Thirty six. Thirty six, which is eighteen times two, mm-hmm. because the standard warrior had to have the uh, budo hake, right, or the the eighteen levels of a warrior. And that changed with eras based on battlefield tactics, weapons, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But the ninja had to know those because all the ninja's stuff are variations on the standard stuff. So ninja kenjutsu is a variation on standard kenjutsu, right? Mm-hmm. Sword stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do the – and this is this was Hatsumi Sensei's contention when he was really drawing people years ago away from this whole ninjutsu idea to – 
just focusing on Budo Taijutsu. Mm-hmm. He wasn't saying that we don't do ninjutsu. What he was saying was, you're going to get yourself or somebody else hurt if this is all you focus on. And since all of this is variations on the basics, right, on the standard stuff, if you can't do the standard stuff, how the hell are you going to do the, the, the variations? Right. It's not going to happen, no. right? You're just going to butcher it and make it up or, or do whatever, right? Yeah. So there are these 36 fundamentals. The 18, like I said, you have the stuff in the Bonsen Shukai and everything, but what we want to do is take a look at these things as models that were created as expedients that that these people of the time considered to be necessary skills to produce the results they needed during that time, right? So spear, sword, fire, and explosives. Again, we're in a culture of wood and paper, right? Of course. So... Uh, what, what we need to do is take a look at it. But what I think is most significant on here is if, I mean, we can group it. We've got armed and unarmed combat, right? Mm-hmm. We have Kiaijutsu, which kind of leads us toward um, looking at thi- bringing things into, into combat that have to do with expression and communication in ways that, you know, are kind of outside most people's mm-hmm. uh, experience and perception. And then we've got knowledge, knowing more than the enemy. Or knowing more so that your life has more depth and more, uh, you know, uh, more to it than just fighting, right? Mm-hmm. And then the cultural arts, too, the polite arts, right? Now you're adding depth of experience so that there's some culture and some class to you. Uh, Hatsumi Sensei has always said that, you know, the true ninja is a lady or a gentleman. Mm. Okay? So think about that, okay? Are we training to be more like Bond or are we training to be more like, I don't know, some WWF scrapper kind of thug right. that just talks a lot of smack and, you know, um, whatever. I mean, these guys are high-paid uh, entertainers. so yeah. But you get the idea, that yeah. image. Um, so what are we buying into, mm. right? So uh, our that's why our, our uh, motto, slogan, theme, or whatever at Warrior Concepts has always been that we're giving people – the skills and lessons necessary to create the life that they've always dreamed of living and the skills and lessons necessary to protect that life from anything that might threaten it. See which one came first? Okay. Mm. Um, Because a true warrior always has something of value to fight for, and only those people, and Takamatsu Sensei said this, only those who truly have something to lose Mm. will ever understand what it means to be a warrior. Mm. Okay. So, anyway, uh, so th- this uh, th- this was just a model. It was just a, a thing. So what we should be doing in the 21st century is taking a look at what the modern eight gate should be, right? So, you know, knife, club, handgun, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. Taijutsu, of course, stays there. Kyomon stays there. Yuge stays there. Kyajutsu. It doesn't have to be modified that much. Right. But Nijutsu and Buge. Budo, the whole, you know, over time has always changed to meet the needs of the times so that the practitioners could be successful and produce results based on what they'd be up against attack-wise, strategies, battlefield, uh, armor, types of clothing, all that kind of stuff. All of that changes what's going to be going on, Mm. and we need to be cognizant of that. How about that? That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Another another powerful lesson here on Kuden, and uh, one more to come in this episode: Godai versus Gogyo. We'll learn what those words even mean, and then how they apply. Good, quick, get, get my get my dictionary. <laughs> go what? Go what? <laughs> We're gonna go on break. We'll be back. Which handgun is best for general self defense? Revolver or semi-automatic? 
How many types of recoil must you neutralize in a defensive combat handgun situation? What two skill areas are missing from most gun training courses? You need answers. Your life could depend on it. You need Surviving Under Fire. This three-disc DVD series offers the answers to these questions and more. Plus Shidoshi Miller's Four Pillars of Handgun Mastery. Order your copy of Surviving Under Fire today at warrior-concepts-online.com or call 570-988-2228. Put Shidoshi Miller's 25-plus years of knowledge and experience to work for you. Get the three-disc series Surviving Under Fire and master the skills that could one day save your life. <laughs> Leading it with more laughter. That's right. Oh, the stuff you should hear when we're not on record. <laughs> we're back with our final segment of Kudin. You just called me an infant. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the fun little game you can do with the infant babies. You shake them up and then pass them to the next person and wait a couple seconds. Until he burp or the spit puke on up the will person. come. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <Gotcha>. Wow. <laughs> All that because <laughs> I meant to mention that I've been talking a lot. My throat was going dry. Yeah. Well, it doesn't take much for that to happen. Yeah, screw you. You spew, spew forth information. I spew forth. Yeah. All right. Hope you guys don't need a towel while you're listening to Kuden. Ew. <laughs> Ew. So our final, our final segment today, Godai versus Gogyo. First of all, what is Godai? Gogyo. It's okay. You butcher English. You might as well butcher Japanese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Godai. That, that that look we get from students, Godai. Did you just tell me to like, go die? Just, you go die? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's up with that? <laughs> right, or Gogyo. Sounds like a dish I don't want to eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, these are two um, systems of classification that uh, come out of um, uh, Tibet and China, actually. Mm. Okay, and uh, were taken on by the Japanese as a part of uh, you know cultural exchange and information that came in long, long, long time ago. Um, and you know, in in our dojo and in a lot of other dojos, uh, you know, without freaking other people out, they often see like these uh, these mandala that we have up from uh, from Mikyo or this um, this Vajrayana kind of tradition, um, which is not. Or, there's no religion in the dojo. People often misunderstand this stuff because they just don't understand it to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And for most Westerners, you're either this or that, right? And uh, they really don't get uh, the whole idea that this was uh, uh, psychology 101 back in the day. And uh, anyway, the Godai and the Gogyo can be, can be related to these things. And anybody, anybody that's interested in that kind of thing can, um, you know, contact me and uh, we talk about the personal development side of training. I do life coaching from the warrior perspective and all that. So, you know, we can go through that. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. the Godai is a series or is a system of five elements that represent how energy appears in the world. Okay, so there's a whole creation story that came out of this that you can read in a lot of books or whatever. Um, instead of the Big Bang Theory or whatever, right, things came mm -hmm. together and formed these elements, right? Um, so these five elements. And I um, I remember my first experience with these five elements. I was in ninth grade, and my biology teacher, or my science teacher, was going over the periodic table, the elements kind of thing, right? And he was making a joke that, you know, you believe that the... Uh, the Asians or the Japanese or whatever believe that there's only five elements, right? Earth, water, fire, wind, boy, and he's going over these things, right? And he said, here we've got, and then it was like a table of 81, right? Mm -hmm. What he was missing was that this was a symbolic classification system that those other, that our periodic table could be classified into, right? Ah. 
So, uh, you know, we have this Chisui Kapuku, Earth, Water, Fire, Wind, Void. Each of these things is a representation of how energy shows up. And I don't care if it's physical energy or our emotions or psychology or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have the time today to go into all this stuff. But um, Earth is generally seen as solid, confident, stable, this concept of being... Um, of value or in command or in charge, presence, that kind of thing, right? Uh, water, sui, not to be confused with mizu, right? Mm. Uh, mizu is literally water. And, and all of these, right, the, even the way they write the kanji, right? Um, the kanji written for chi, right, has the kanji do in it for literal earth, mm-hmm. okay? But this one is written out to actually represent this energy, okay? Mm. Sui. Water, same kanji, but it's a different pronunciation because we're using the original Chinese or mm-hmm. the Japanese pronunciation of the Chinese. So now we're talking about fluidity, flexibility, power, uh, clarity, water-like uh, mm-hmm. things, right? Uh, but again, you know, we have elements in a solid uh, state, rocks, mountains, that kind of thing. We've got literal water, right? Fluid kind of things, even in our body, right? Our solid parts, muscles, bones, and we've got, you know, our blood and our other body fluids and things like that for water. Mm-hmm. Fire is uh, uh, energy in a um, in a combustive state, right? Radioactive things, right? In, in nature, literally fire or uh, sunlight, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. In our body, it's our metabolism, right? It's that interactivity of things. Uh, wind is um, obviously gases, right? Mm-hmm. Things in a in a gaseous or, or open or free state, okay? Uh, it's our respiration, right, for us. Um, obviously, in nature, it's wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, void is um, the combination of the other elements to produce other things, right? For us, it's our ability to think and communicate, mm-hmm. okay? So this is kind of a static, this is what it looks like kind of system, right? So we can classify our techniques by stable techniques, right, where we're really calm and confident. And we, the person who's coming at us is more like Urkel than, you know, Schwarzenegger, so we really don't have, feel the need to move. So we can hold our ground and direct our strong points against our weak points and crush them down. Yeah. Water, very different. It's more defensive or pulling away, kind of like the ocean wave, and then crashing back with much more power. Uh, it's the same kind of idea that's used uh, in baseball by a pitcher. Right where they wind up, they're not firing off a hundred mile an hour fastball yeah. from a stationary position. They wind up and get all that stuff together. So you have a sense of timing and rhythm that adds power to things as it moves along. Right, mm-hmm. uh, fire again. That's that moving in, direct, committed, take it to him kind of thing. Um, I may be scared, but I still got to get there first because if he gets the first shot in, I'm done. So it's it's not necessarily destructive. Um, when I say aggressive, it's it's direct and committed, right? It's yeah. moving in. Uh, wind, very evasive, very, uh, uh, very, uh, uh, the, the use of avoidance and things like that, but not necessarily always calm and light because just like the wind, you could have a light summer breeze or you could have a freaking tornado or a hurricane coming through and ripping houses out of the, out of the ground, right? It's the same thing. Um, it's it, intensity changes. Mm-hmm. But it's this slippery, evasive kind of thing where uh, you're not where the f- where his attacks are going. You're always doing kind of like flanking maneuvers and, and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And void is everything from our awareness to our uh, uh, our attempt to negotiate our way out of a situation, or it's the understanding that when we use our kamai, 
or our facial expressions or our eye positioning or anything like that, we're communicating on a deeper level than just using the words. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of martial arts make this mistake where they'll put somebody in an unquote-unquote quote unquote, uh, ready position that looks like a fight position, and then the student's supposed to look at the bad guy and say, I don't want to fight. Well, they may hear the words, but your body looks like you want to fight, so... You know, you may end up escalating the situation where mm-hmm. uh, we have, you know, these other kamai where we can take these things up and, you know, say, hey, look, calm down. I don't want to fight. You know, we're in this open hira position or whatever, and it looks believable. So it's more holistic. The What the body's doing matches what the words are saying, matches what the feeling that's going on, right, and the, mm-hmm. the whole feel of the situation. So, again, this is a static energy kind of thing, right? Gogyo, my best... Uh, analogy for Gogyo is like uh, watching the seasons. Okay, there is no beginning or ending. There is no bottom or top. Like the Godai has an ascending and descending from solid to to mm-hmm. nebulous kind of things. Right in the Gogyo, it's it's a transitionary kind of thing. There's a productive cycle and there's a destructive cycle. So the Gogyo represents energy and motion. Mm. Okay, and energy transmit or transfers and and uh, transmutes from one thing to another, okay? Mm-hmm. So just arbitrarily speaking, we could just pick a starting point. There's water, wood, fire, earth, and metal, mm-hmm. and then water. And it, so there is no end to it, right? Yeah. So these all represent um, different types of uh, energy and where we use the godai in class to help students learn about strategies, mm-hmm. right? Um like, uh, you know, you could be firm and commanding. You can be water-like and all that. Um, the <clears throat> the gogyo is used for, like, escape and evasion, and it's used to understand karma, okay? Mm. Where something is coming from and where it's going so you can move it along or you can stop it from going to the next point, okay? Mm. So water, in this case, doesn't represent fluid things. It represents a pulling of potential, so let's use the life of a plant, right? Right. There's a seed. There's fertile ground. There's sunlight. There's moisture. There's nutrients in the ground. All these things that are necessary for the seed to germinate. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're all in place. So um, uh, what you end up with is when the conditions are just right, you end up with this upward new growth, right? The uh, The seed pops. Root starts growing down, stem yeah. starts growing up, right? That's now the wood stage, upward new growth, mm-hmm. okay? So, um, and then the plant will continue to grow until it opens up and blooms, right? Yeah. Full expression. That's fire. It's expanding energy, mm. okay? And then as it continues to age, everything starts to contract again. It starts to wilt and pull in on itself, right? Now in the, we're in the earth condensing stage, mm-hmm. right? And then as it continues to solidify and give up moisture and all that, it ends up breaking down into its constituent parts, going back into the soil and becoming more. Uh, so we have this hardening mm-hmm. stage, right? And eventually crumbles and everything and ends up being part of the next cycle as a part of the next water cycle where it's now part of the next yeah. Next set of things that are needed for that for a new seed to grow. Mm-hmm. In a fight, we can see. Uh, let's start from from metal, where uh, the person is gathering. Not gathering. They are strategically planning what they're doing. They may be picking a uh, a target or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're they're 
building their battle plans. Okay, it's all intellectual. Mm-hmm. Okay, then they start gathering their resources. So if it's a mugging or whatever, they might start stalking and moving in on you and positioning, bringing the hands into a certain place, going for a weapon, or whatever. Right, but they're they're bringing this potential to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then as they close in and they start the attack. Right, they actually start pressing in on you. Now we're in the wood phase, so the first initial couple of jabs, or uh, I don't know, initial kind of things, they may just bolt right in on you. But there's that initial attack, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, then you're in full into it, right? You're now engaged in it. They're flailing. You're going at it, and all that kind of stuff. So now we're in this fire thing. But eventually, the energy starts cooking off, Mm -hmm. and everything starts to slow down until finally we're back to reassessing the situation and trying to lock the guy in or starting something new because it kind of broke off and we're reevaluating our plans and coming back where you got the guy locked in and pinned down on the ground. And is that over? I don't think so because um, either you've changed this person's life and, you know, for the next cycle, they're going to be doing something else as they pull the resources or, you know, there's revenge in their mind or whatever, but there's a cycle, right? But um, there is no, there is no beginning or end to this energy, it really shifts, okay? Uh, we can talk about the destructive cycle some other time. This is going to take way, way longer. Um, but <clears throat> uh, the, um, the the movement, uh, you know, is, is just the, there's this natural transition. You know that once everything is just right, you're in the right place at the right time, the bad guy's there, you're in a dark alley, whatever it is, right? He can launch an attack. So yeah. there's this natural thing, right? So how do you not have the attack get launched, right? There's a way to use these elements to block mm-hmm. the transition. Um, so uh, and in, in our training, the godai is usually the focus of the, of the training leading up to black belt and then the gogyo concepts are the training beyond black belt mm. um, because beginner students need things to be a little bit more fixed, and they're just not, but we can say, okay, we're working on this earth kind of strategy. We're working on this fire kind of strategy. They don't really exist. There are no such things as earth techniques or fire techniques or whatever. There are techniques that allow us to convey the concepts and principles of holding your ground or getting right in there to them or whatever. But there's no such thing as an earth technique or fire technique or, or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But it allows us to to help a student get in touch with their emotions or psychology and kind of help to classify these things so they get a bit more, more in touch with who they are and what kind of tools they naturally have. And then once they get a handle on that thing and they really understand that this whole thing is is energy and it's not just what I do and what he does, it's a process. Yeah. Right? Then we can start talking about how energy moves and changes and how you can strategically uh, move things forward, backwards, or just stop it from happening altogether. How's that? <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> well, I mean... That's just scratching the surface. Yeah, I know. and this is just scratching the surface yeah. because you're going to see the gogyo a lot. Like if you go to an acupuncture or acupress, mm. right, um, in some massage places or whatever, they'll have this thing up. And these are the five elements that they're typically talking about because they're really hands-on mm-hmm. on, on, uh, on um, energy. Right? Mm. But godai, not so much, right? Um, that's, uh, But all of them have uh, colors associated with them and uh, symbols and all kinds of things to help you really get into the depth of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being able to recite what they are. And like I said, the, um, you know, if you go to the website, <clears throat> uh, the three articles that I wrote, oh, my God, way back in like the late 80s, early 90s or something like that, uh, somebody had gone on one of the forums and 
ask about actually these systems that, that they saw mm-hmm. and what are these things all about. Well, as usual, um, instead of answering the guy's questions, everybody jumped into a debate as to whether this was or wasn't ninja to training or so, somebody made it up or hmm. whatever, right? Answer the guy's freaking question. If you don't know, say, I don't know, those guys over there use it, go ask them, yeah. right? We personally don't. But it became this huge debate as to whether it should be used, shouldn't be used or whatever. And I just... I got irritated. <laughs> so uh, it turned into a series of three articles, one article being uh, focused on the Godai, mm-hmm. part two being focused on the Go-Gyo, and then part three was how these two actually fit together Yeah, uh, and are really two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So anyway, people can go to the website and, and look those things up. Yeah, out be and- sure to check out the website, <laughs> warrior-concepts-online.com. Lots of great information there and ways on how you can get involved Get involved with classes, camps, additional training aids like uh, the great videos that are posted there. Uh, you can pick those up at the website, warrior-concepts-online.com. Emails can be directed to warriorc at uh, warrior-concepts-online.com. Thank you for joining us on another great episode of Kuden. Thank you for listening to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes, call 570-988-2228 or log on to www.warrior-concepts-online.com. That's 570-988-2228 or www dot warrior dash concepts dash online dot com.